Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? I think we got some more funk in the trunk. You know what I'm saying? What's up, dude? This is your boy, Danny Palmer. That's my name, okay? I have my own podcast. Who knows I'll remain? Who knows how long I'll remain employed in the corporate world, but I do have a fucking podcast, okay? Been recruiting for 20 years. Every company's like, all right, we've we've had our fill. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my podcast. This is the Friday episode. Uh, what was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah, I just watched the fucking uh, James Brown Get On Up movie with uh, the late, great Chadwick Boseman, and he's amazing in it. Not going to speak all the dead. Andy was actually very good. But they did that thing in the movie where it's like they the main character, the protagonist, talks to the camera. And it's like, dude, it just takes me out of it, you know? Like, I know that in some movies, I guess that device does work. Like in Ferris Bueller, for example, he talks to the camera. It's perfect. It works. It makes perfect sense in that movie. It doesn't take you out of it. It just makes it more fun. I'm trying to think of other movies that do that shit. You know, like movie X and movie Y. But for some reason in this movie, it just, it just didn't really work for me. But I, I think it was one of those movies that, uh, you know, I like watching biographies, biopics, biography, bar, biography. I, I like watching biographies because you can learn a lot about people's lives. And it's more of like a, it's like a, like a dumb guy's way to learn to read a book. You know, you're like, well, I'm just going to watch them do lines of blow in the, in the green room at the Apollo versus actually reading a book about the man's life. I don't know why I'm talking in a Southern accent, but sometimes I like to slip into Southern accent. They just fighting and fussing. They just playing possum. That's all that is. Ain't that the truth? Anyway, uh, I enjoyed learning about James Brown's life, but, um, you know, I feel like they could have done a better job with the overall presentation of it. But what the fuck do I know? I'm not a movie director. I'm not nobody. I'm not shit. I don't know shit about shit. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I already said that. Danny, don't, don't repeat small things you've already said. No, nobody wants to hear that. Um, I was thinking back on pre-COVID life, you know, going out. You guys like to go out and party on the weekends, dude. I'm like 45 now. It's like I should be getting like a fucking colonoscopy. Instead, I'm just trying to like cruise chicks <laughs> on the Lower East Side on Saturday nights. I mean, when that becomes a, a possibility again, which I think it may very well be this weekend. The Return of Black Hat, Friday night. That's exciting. You know, I run, me and Ryan DeCollis run this Friday show at Black Hat. And uh, it's often awesome, but it's also, it's kind of a pain in the ass, you know? You can have a fucking microphone and a speaker and the equipment and the comics come by and they want spots and they subtly pressure you for spots and you got to clean up afterwards and set everything up. And sometimes these neighborhood kids come by and they're like being disruptive and it's hard to kick them out because it's awkward. And you know, it's like a whole fucking thing on the LES, the lower East side, but it's fun. I feel like some people think it's a little bit arrogant to talk about instead of saying like, Oh, I live on the lower East side. You might say, Oh, I live in the LES. And then people that don't live in New York or aren't as familiar with the neighborhoods would be like, What's the LES dipshit? And I agree. I agree with them. I don't think it's cool to just like use slang neighborhood acronyms to try to be cool in front of your friends and show off why you're so cool, you fucking loser. (laughs) Anyways, I was reading some uh, posts I did on, you know, like the Facebook memories. I kind of love that shit. I know Facebook. I, I, I just like to see what was said on this date over the course of like 10 to 12 years. Cause it's kind of like a nice little jog down memory lane. 
One thing I wrote is that basically on Saturday nights, I buy cute girl cigarettes if they need cigarettes, and then I walk home alone listening to music. That's kind of my MO. That's kind of my vibe. I mean, you know, it's nice. There's nothing wrong with buying cute girl cigarettes. I mean, sure, it's bad for their lungs, but I'm going to assume that they're not going to be a lifelong smoker, and they're pretty, and they're talking to me, and I enjoy the attention. And I enjoy the the companionship and learning about them, and they're not all going to hook up with me, nor fucking should they. I respect and endorse their decision to head home at the end of the evening after the bald dude bought them some fucking camel lights. I just picked a random brand. Danny, there's no need to explain which brand of cigarettes you picked to end that sentence with. Okay, pal? Okay, pal? I was trying to, uh, me and my buddy Julio Gallarotti, he's, I think he's watched a lot of the Oscar nominees, and I haven't seen many of them, I don't think. And one of them was The Sound of Metal. And uh, I was thinking about watching it. I guess it's about a rock star that goes deaf slowly or something. And one of the reviews said that the the movie rocked the reviewer to his core. And I was just thinking, I don't know about you guys, but in terms of my preferred cinematic experiences, I'm not really in the market to be rocked to my core, you know? Like, I, I wouldn't mind, like, a fun romp, maybe a jaunt, maybe even an indie, introspective, uh, you know, musing on life. But I don't want to be rocked to my core. You just got rocked to your fucking core. It's like, all right, dude. Nobody wants to be rocked to their core. By the way, I know I mentioned this last week, but... Nate Bargatze's new special on Netflix. It's so, it's so funny. He has this one thing he talks about in there where like he goes to this hotel uh, buffet in the morning and there's these like teen girls in there and they are, they make their waffles and one of the teen girls like takes the syrup like from the stand where everybody shares the syrup to her table and like flips everybody out. But obviously like this guy in his like forties, I think can't, you can't approach a table of teen girls and scold them. I don't know. I, I'm obviously butchering the bit, but oh, that just made me laugh so hard to think about. You know, because you're like, oh, I'm an adult and these are teens and I have something to teach them. And meanwhile, they're just looking at you like, get the fuck away from me, Gramps. You know, that's fun. Is that something to talk about? Okay. Just cruising on through these ideas. Oh, that's right. Um, my new uh, my new favorite movie is Dazed and Confused. I may have talked about this last week. I'm just going to repeat things week after week until the podcast, until the hosting company Buzzsprout just decides to delete my account. Uh, Mr. Palmer, I'm sorry. We appreciate your $38 a month, but this isn't really working out for us. Um, but, uh, oh, I really like Dazed and Confused. Um, it's just such a nat- naturalistic movie. And then I was talking to somebody about reading The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway, which also is a very naturalistic book. I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember that it's him just going to Pamplona to watch the running of the bulls and just like getting in fistfights and getting wasted. There's not like a substantial plot to it. It's just like he just does things. And I feel like Days and Confused is similar. Sure, there's a plot, but it's a lot of just hanging out and, you know, being high school kids with some sweet moments and, and, and I might argue some profound moments. Um, so yeah, like the personal, I wrote this down, sorry. The personal authentic moments are the plot, you know? It's nice. It's really nice. Oh, okay. So I'm really excited about this because my friend, Scott Sharp. Uh, all right. So here's the backstory for this review that I'm going to uh, go through with you, which is uh, somebody went on Yelp and reviewed one of my comedian friends, Scott Sharp. So Scott and I have been comics together in New York for a long time, and he used to manage the Laughing Devil Comedy Club in Long Island City, Queens. It's this, it was this very like railroad type of room with brick walls. You walk in and there's a bar, it's tight, it's compact, 
and then you go into the showroom, also tight and compact, which is good for comedy. Um, and then the stand bought it and turned it into the standing room. Um, so then it was like a different club. But anyway, Scott ran Laughing Devil Comedy Club for, I think, several years. And they had like a comedy festival there, Laughing Devil Comedy Festival. And so he was he would um, manage the club, but he would also MC often. So he was uh, there a lot doing shows. And what <laughs> this is so funny to me. Hold on. I got to grab this fucking thing. Okay, I now have the review in front of me. Apparently, I emailed it to myself in 2015. I guess this happened in 2015. And I just want to preface this. I mean, this is a pretty brutal review of Scott. But I just want to say, doing stand-up is very, very fucking difficult. Much less emceeing is the toughest spot in a stand-up show because the crowd is just coming from flat, coming from nothing. They're just people sitting in a room, maybe waiting for their drinks. There might be some music playing. There might not be music playing, which is worse. And it's not really hasn't congealed into a show yet where people are clapping and laughing in unison and kind of have created this vibe and this energy that that then hopefully carries the comics on the show aloft throughout with that energy and that wave. Um, so but, you know, it's tough. So it's really hard to be the MC. And I think a lot of people expect stand up comics. They would just assume that it's almost like this natural thing where they're just kind of coming up with these funny ideas off the top of their head. And, you know, we're not. I mean, you have to like come up with material and bits. I guess there's some few geniuses that can do pure improv, but, but you know, most comics need to have an established set. And especially when you're emceeing, you want to have those a jokes, quote unquote, so that you can hopefully get the crowd going and get some laughs. And Scott's also managing the club. So he's got the responsibility of making sure that people are seated and that the bartender is bringing the drinks and that the microphone's working and the sound system and the lights and, you know, it's a business, it plays a business and people walk in. Like, there's a lot going on. So it's not easy if you can gather my drift here, you know, either to MC a show or to be a comedy club manager and just to do it night after night. So, but anyways, okay, so that, that, ends, <laughs> that ends my defense of Scott. And now we're going to share... I'm going to walk through the review. Okay. I, th I wrote this. I emailed this to myself on April 17th, 2015. Uh, here is the review. It was an okay evening. <laughs> right there. Already off to a rough start. It was an okay evening. I went there with my husband for my birthday. I have been there before through a Groupon, through a coupon from Gold Star. Not sure why we need to know what that is or well, I don't even know what the fuck Gold Star is. Is that like the 2015 version of Groupon or something? The service is great. The gentleman in the front welcomed us. Very friendly. The place is small like a shoebox. No place to hang your coat. And we were literally on top of other guests. We shared a table with some other couple. As you know, I said it was a small place. So that would make sense. The first experience was better than this one. The comedians were okay. The waitress was excellent. The drinks were good. And the sweet potato product the sweet potato fries were good too. I was so disappointed when I see on stage the same fool, in parentheses, comedian, from the last time we went, Scott Sharp. I didn't like him the first time. <laughs> I didn't like him the first time, and I dislike him more this time. His jokes weren't even funny at all. He repeated the same jokes as the last time I was there, <laughs> excuse me, approximately two months ago. First joke, the one with the dreadlock. Second joke, the annoying sneezing one. And the one with a portable potty. A portable potty? Come on! Several exclamation points. 
He was there for less than 10 minutes. He should learn some new jokes. The place is so convenient. Many places to eat in the area. I just wish they hire better comedians. <laughs> Man, what a fucking brutal scathing review. And it's like, I mean, it's like, you know, it's I. one of the funniest things about that review, I think, is its specificity of like she does remember what his jokes were the first time and the second time and, and spells them out. And she also writes his full name out, which that's kind of rude, you know? I mean, it's very rude. <laughs> You could just say, you know, one of the comics didn't really suit my fancy. You got to call him out first and last name and capitalize the Scott and capitalize the Sharp and put it on Yelp and get it out into the world. It's like, you know, what other profession do people just like write reviews online for? Maybe thousands. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. But it's 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 a difficult fucking stand-up's a high-wire act. And as I stated, you're going to have your jokes that you repeat. Especially when you're emceeing, it's not like he's going to come up with the most like insanely clever new lines when he's hosting a show and trying to get it off the ground. But God, I love that. Come on. And also, her comment is says uh, he was there for less than ten minutes. Yeah, well, that's what the MC does. MCs typically do maybe like eight to ten minutes up front, maybe a little longer, just to get the crowd going. And the point isn't even. Most of the time, the MC, the point of them being there is to get the crowd in a groove and get them laughing and get them in a rhythm. You're not supposed to just murder straight out of the gate. It's difficult to do. He was doing his job. He was telling his jokes. Scott's a good friend of mine. You should listen to or watch his uh, YouTube channel, uh, True Crime Loser. He's a fucking funny comic, and he's great. But that story is so fucking funny to me. He should learn some new jokes. And I like how she just compares his comedy like to how convenient the location is. <laughs> I mean, this comic sucks, but there are several good places to eat right nearby. <laughs> wow, thanks for the review. Man, God, that's fun for me. God, that's fun. By the way, before I do brief space news of the week and wrap with something inspirational, I just want to say, if you've ever... If you've ever had, Jesus, Danny. If you've ever had the chance to fly overseas to london or paris from new york or whatever it's so like overnight it's it's really cool it's a cool experience i've never been to europe before and like i took this overnight flight and it we were like basically like chasing the sunrise which is pretty sick you know because you see the sunrise what is the sunrise in the fucking east yeah you can see the sunrise in the east but then you're flying at like what 500 miles an hour towards that sunrise so i think technically the sun rises faster than it normally would because you're heading towards is that true is that fucking true dude <laughs> if you're flying in the early morning hours towards the sun rise does, does it then rise faster that'd be crazy if you were high in a plane and you're like dude the sun is rising too fast turn this plane around <laughs> they, they, they definitely tape you to your chair um but space space news dude I, I, I like to read the like uh, space news of the week on the site space.com and there's always something that I'm like, oh, I didn't know that because obviously there's so much shit that goes on in the world. You can't keep track of all of it, but apparently there was a rare daytime fireball meteor that created a massive sonic boom over the UK and France. That's kind of crazy. And they have this picture. It looks crazy. It's like this red uh, streak with an explosion in the middle of it over these like beautiful clouds. I'm like, wow, I can't believe you got a picture of that. And then they're like, oh, it's an artist's impression. And then they also didn't put an apostrophe after the T and before the S indicating that the impression belongs to the artist indicating that this site is a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thank you for the news. But, um, 
people thought that it was like a fighter jet, but no, it was at 2.50 local time on Saturday, March 20th, large sonic boom. That is a meteor breaking apart during the daytime, going faster than the speed of sound. That's weird. You know, another like experience that if you were high during it, you would be like, I don't, I'm not comfortable with this at all. Slow that thing down and also make it go away from where I am because it's frightening me. <laughs> okay. So um, I don't know if you guys read about this. So Jared Isaacman, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but there's an update. There's a fucking update. Update. Nope. Not going to do that sound anymore. Jared Isaacman is this entrepreneur and philanthropist, and he announced the names of his final two passengers that are going to accompany him on a three-day rocket ride circling the Earth. Dude is fucking 38, and he's a billionaire. Great. I'm 45, just going from you know below-manager-level recruiting job to below-manager-level recruiting job. Way to go with your career, Danny. And uh, <laughs> so he bought this ride from SpaceX, and they're going to be um, the first pa- uh, passengers t- and people to orbit the planet. That would be our planet without the presence of a professional astronaut from NASA or another space agency. In other words, if I was on that fucking craft, I would be terrified. Can we get a real astronaut in here just in case shit goes down? So they, one of the people they picked was this lady that had bone cancer when she was a kid and was at St. Jude's Children's Hospital, and they did this raffle. Uh, they selected her, but then they also did a raffle to pick some other people. And the people that won, um, the two other people that hadn't been announced yet, this guy, Cian Proctor, 51, a community college professor from Tempe, Arizona, and Christopher Sombrosky, 41, of Everett, Washington, who works on data engineering for Lockheed Martin. I feel like the community college professor is more worthy of the trip than the fucking data engineering man. But um, Mr. Isaacman said, Mr. Isaacman, the stars really aligned for us in terms of this group. Um, he bought the trip on February 1st, and now they know who's going to go. So this thing's going to circle Earth at an altitude of 335 miles, about 80 miles higher than the orbit of the space station. Oh, damn. I thought they were going like just outside, just into like LEO, which maybe that is. But I thought they were going like just outside the reaches of our atmosphere. Higher than the orbit of the space station. I wonder if they're going to fucking see the space station from 80 miles above. Oh, man, that'd be so sick. They were re- originally going to launch in October, but they may push that up to September 15th which is fucking dope. And he wanted to, one of the purposes of him buying this uh, ride, uh, Isaacman, is that he wanted to raise money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Memphis. And he also wanted to give non-billionaires, excuse me, a chance to ride. So that's nice. I don't know why I said excuse me. Well, I don't know. It's kind of polite. Um, and he wanted the crew to be more diverse than the people that have gone to space in the past, which is mostly white men. Um, sorry, I'm a white guy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't change it. If I try to change it, people won't like me. Um, anyways, so this lady, Haley, she's going to be the youngest American ever to go to space and the first person with a prosthetic body part because they replace parts of the bones in her left leg with metal rods. And I know that I mentioned that in an earlier episode, but if you've listened to all the episodes, again, we desperately need a date. So this Dr. Proctor lady, um, she is uh, a black woman and she has a PhD in... Uh, science education. So she won this contest that Isaac Isaacson's company sponsored. Um, long story short, she didn't think she would ever uh, get this opportunity that she would win this, and then she because she had tried to become an astronaut before, and then she didn't make the final cuts. Um, but 
in 2013, she was one of six people who lived for four months in a small building on the side of a Hawaiian volcano, which was part of a NASA-financed experience to study the isolation and stresses of a long trip to Mars. I mean, dude, that sounds fucking tough. Four months. I mean, at first you're like, oh man, we're in Hawaii and this is space related. I'm very cool. And I'm in a tropical location. What's that? I'm on the side of a fucking volcano for four months and it blows. Fuck. I wouldn't like that. I would only like to live on the side of a Hawaiian volcano for maybe 45 minutes just to, just to look around and see if there's any like interesting foliage. <laughs> and then I'm just going to return to the beach. All right. I'm not doing that shit. Um, but she heard about uh, this mission, which is called Inspiration 4 from a commercial during the Super Bowl. And she's like, oh, okay, that was intriguing. So she, you got to donate to St. Jude's to, to be in the raffle. Then her friend won the raffle and gave it to her apparently. Um, and um, so now they're all fucking going up to space, you know, which is pretty sick. And, and they, once they learned that they won, they went to LA to visit the headquarters of SpaceX and undergo health evaluations at UCLA. By the way, I just got my fucking annual physical today. What do you think about that, dude? Okay. I'm so proud of, I just love blood work. I'm like, I, sh- I want to have really good blood work, but I'm always worried when they're like pressing the nodes on your neck and your stomach and shit, they're just going to find some terrible thing and then you'll be dead in a week. And it's like, fuck, I should have stayed home. Um, so after they, uh, after the formal announcement at the Kennedy space center, which happened this week, now they're going to go to Philadelphia. They're going to be spun around a giant centrifuge, which I believe at the one in Huntsville is uh, called the, uh, the vomit comet which will simulate the strong forces they'll experience during launch and re-entry into the atmosphere. And it's going to be their training at SpaceX in California. It's going to be similar to what the NASA astronauts have to go through when they ride the SpaceX rockets. And then at the end of April, next month, Isaacman, the rich dude, is going to take them for three days of camping on Mount Rainier in Washington. He said, this is about mental toughness, getting uncomfortable, staying uncomfortable, and how well you perform when you are uncomfortable. Which I kind of really like that idea because that's very applicable in the world of stand-up and just life in general, right? Like, if you're not learning and growing and challenging yourself, then you're just fucking stagnating on the side of a fucking volcano. He said in the future, he hopes spaceflight becomes more commonplace and it turns into planning a trip to Europe or something. Wouldn't that be crazy? Instead of taking a gap year after college, you just fucking go to space because it's so cheap and there's so many people doing it that it's fucking lit. <laughs> All right, so the and now and now to wrap up the fucking ooh, this this one, dude. This episode's not going to go forty minutes. I don't see forty minutes happening, which maybe that's for the best, Annie. You know what I mean? I think about 22, 22 minutes in, people are ready to drive their car to work uh, off a cliff instead of instead of com- completing the commute. I know that people, most people work from home, but if you are driving to work or if you're a trucker or something, I doubt any truckers will listen to this. Do I have appeal for the trucker market? I doubt it. Anywho, so this is a quote from the Roman philosopher Seneca, and he wrote this letter to Paulinus. No idea who Paulinus is, but it's basically um, talking about our time on earth and how it's perceived as being limited and how we should use it. So this is the quote. It is not that we have a short space of time, but that we waste much of it. Life is long enough, and it has been given in sufficiently generous measure to allow the accomplishment of the very greatest things if the whole of it is well invested. But when it is squandered in luxury and carelessness, when it is devoted to no good end, forced at last by the ultimate necessity, aka death, we perceive that it has passed away before we were aware that it was passing. 
So it is. The life we receive is not short, but we make it so. Nor do we have any lack of it, but are wasteful of it. So it's kind of interesting, right? They're like, oh, life is short. I don't have time to do any of my things that I want to do. I'm going to die. and It's pointless. He's like, no, you actually do have a lot more time. You just need to make sure that you're using that time wisely and, and deciding what is important, what you want to accomplish, what your priorities are, and making the most use of every second of your fucking time, which obviously should first and foremost include listening to The Danny Palmer Show, telling your friends, listen, rate, fucking subscribe. Dude, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'd rather have a non-successful podcast over the years <laughs> than do an ounce of self-promotion because it just comes across as fake and fraudulent to me. But what the fuck do I know? Thanks for listening, you fucking gents. I think this is like episode fucking 130 or some shit, man. So, you know, who knows? Maybe in five years, this will turn into some fucking real fucking gin. Or not. I don't care. I like to have fun. I want to go to Barcelona this summer. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I obviously, well, my handle's... I think you know. You don't know. Who knows? I don't know who what people know. It's Danny Palmer NYC, and uh, I'm on Instagram at the Danny Palmer Show. If you're in New York any Friday in the near future, come to Black Cat LES. I think we're just going to start like this Friday. We're doing the day that this is released. We're doing a show at 7:30 and one at nine. But then the, in the following weeks, we're probably just going to do one show, probably at like 8:30. And apparently, the demand for comedy is looking to be high based on my friend Ryan DeCarlos, who's who's been booking shows for a long time. He's like, he has this one show at Comic Strip and had like a bunch of reservations in the first two hours. So that's a positive thing. And hopefully uh, society will be able to open up safely and comedy will resume and people will start to have fucking fun and write mean reviews about Scott Sharp on Yelp, which I will then copy and paste into my email and read in a podcast six years later. <laughs> wow, I'm a genius. Way to tie it all together, Danny, you fucking gin. All right, thanks for listening, you guys. Ooh, should I go to 26? Oh, yeah? Do you want me to edge you? Do you want me to edge you until I get to 26? I know when you listen. My friend Eric in San Diego who's driving to work, you can't have that final release until I make it to 26. <laughs>